Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Pro's personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Ian Harvey. Ian, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Excellent. Let's do this. Ian is a CFP and financial planner with Financial Asset Management Corporation. He is also the chair of the Financial Planning Association's Next Gen Program. I'm excited to have you on. Ian, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So I am a financial planner. I live in New York City. Um, I live uptown in what's known as Washington Heights. Um, <clears throat> and I live with my partner, Emily. And we really just enjoy New York. I have to tell you, we spend a lot of time really living in New York, um, spending our time in New York and, and really taking it for what it is. Um, getting a chance to live here, knowing we're not, we likely won't be living within the city for uh, forever. Uh, it's great to have an opportunity to explore and experience New York while we while we are here. Um, and so I became a financial planner uh, mainly because I wanted to be a part of the solution. Um, and that is if finance and personal financial planning is difficult for folks and leads to individuals having more difficult lives later on, then we have a way to help that. And we can start sooner and we can work towards um, a population really that has a better understanding of financial literacy so that when they come to these more complex situations as they get older um, and when they're speaking with a financial planner, they're better educated and uh, it's easier for them to make well-educated decisions. And so if, if I can be a part of that in some way, that's why I joined financial planning right out of college. Nice. Well, I, I, I appreciate everything you just said. My wife, Emily, and I love New York as well. And uh, I, I don't know that we could live there. Now we have a family, so we definitely probably couldn't. But uh, I, I respect and appreciate how mindful you are being and just trying to take advantage of it. So I think that that's awesome. And obviously, I appreciate uh, that you want to be part of the solution. Um, not saying that you versus part of the problem, but why? Because <laughs> I wanted to be part of the problem. I don't think anybody ever says that. Why, why do you think financial planning is so difficult for people? Well, I don't know that financial planning um, at its base is taught. Um, and I, I don't know that folks are graduating college even with understanding of how to budget, when, where and when do you need to be saving or spending. Um, and then we follow many articles that come out that tell us not to spend $3 on avocado toast or Starbucks or something, and that's going to save our financial plan. Um, and likely over a long period of time, if avocado toast or Starbucks or something like that is what gets you through the day and makes you happy, then let's find a way to allow that to happen and pull back maybe on some other areas where we can come up with some more cash. Um, and I don't know, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, I think <laughs> that's, it's perhaps a, it's a very challenging thing to to, to manage everything that that today's life sort of throws at us through finding a career and now we're supposed to find purpose in everything that we do. We're not just supposed to have a job. We're supposed to be working purposefully and we're not supposed to be buying Starbucks anymore and no more avocado toast <laughs> right, and vows sure. of poverty and save 15% of your money no matter what. And people are like, right. oh, you know what? Maybe I'm just not going to do any of that stuff. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's an understanding of general rules that we're supposed to follow that are based in a world that we didn't grow up in, nor do we exist in now. How much money you're supposed to be spending on your real estate or your living expenses um, is based in a time where people owned most of their homes and people are renting more now than they ever have, mainly because folks can't afford to buy. And so the world is changing. And if the world is changing, our general rules need to change. Um, and so if you're trying to benchmark yourself against a person in your same situation 30 or 40 years earlier in in history, um, it's hard for me to realize how that's even possible, given how much has changed in that that time span. And so our job as financial planners is to help clients truly understand the world we live in now um, and then apply what their goals, dreams and aspirations and hopes for the future are to the norms we live in now and the resources they have available to them. I think that's really well said right there. And that's something that's been on my mind a lot lately. So it's probably confirmation bias that I'm hearing somebody say something, <laughs> I think. But but I think that that's of immense value right there. That it's, it's kind of like I'm not investing necessarily to beat the S&P 500. I'm investing money to meet the goals and objectives that I have for my life and for my family. So sure. to your point, determine obvious first and foremost what is the current state of the world that we're living in but then more importantly how, how does that really apply to you and just because other people are just because billy jumped off a bridge doesn't mean you should too right exactly and i you know again just to reiterate a lot of the feelings that the general public might have about what should i be doing with my money when it comes in is based on the goals and expectations set for you by the folks who came before you and if that's confusing. What I mean is if if the older folks in your life are telling you what you should or should not be doing based on what was normal for them at their time, it may or may not apply. And I think what we have to do is be cognizant of where we stand today and what those general rules mean for you if you try to apply them in today's world. Got it. So so how does that process start? Yeah. So a lot of it is really starting with a conversation um, and trying to understand what are your hopes, dreams, goals and aspirations in, in the best world. What would you do for yourself or for other people? Um, how much money do you need to be making? How much money do you need coming in on a regular basis to just kind of put food on the table? And then what do we do with the dollars on top of that? So assuming you're keeping the lights on and you're able to eat every day and your cash flow is, you know, even, right, or positive, meaning you've got enough money to come in to cover your basic needs and then maybe a little extra on the side. If there's any extra on the side, what are we doing with those dollars? Um, and the way we determine that is first figure out what are your goals, dreams, hopes and aspirations. And then when there is excess, how are we allocating that to make sure that this year, next year and 30 years from now, we're planning for you to be successful and what it is you want to accomplish. Got it. And that's such an important thing, just understanding sort of from, from a foundational standpoint, what your cash flow really is on a monthly basis. Because mm -hmm. I think that so many folks don't really have a good understanding of maybe they know how much money is coming in, but they don't really know how much is going out consistently. So, Sure. And I think some of it might be based in guilt, right? Mm. Um, I know I'm supposed to be tracking my, my spending. I'm not tracking my spending. My credit card bill remains roughly the same, but sometimes it's a little higher. I'm really not sure, but I know that I shouldn't have spent money last week on what I spent money on. And so if I just ignore this month and we'll start <laughs> next month, 
then we can start next month. And then if you continue that for a long time, you can go for a while without tracking your monthly spending. Um, and if that's the case, then it's hard for us and you, the client, to be able to realize where and when you can be saving or planning for the future. And that's a perfectly and beautiful, beautifully human thing to do, right? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Which is why I say I mean, it's so, so normal. Yeah. Um, and it's a matter of getting comfortable, realizing that if you just rip the Band-Aid off today and start tracking your spending and start considering uh, what your future might look like, by the time you get there, looking back, that Band-Aid you had to rip off five years prior is a lot less painful than you might have thought. And I, I can, you know, I, I can almost guarantee that anybody's listening to this who's gone through that Band-Aid ripping off process says, yep, <laughs> that's totally right. So if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, man, you know, that sounds like me, just know that everybody's been there. So it should mm -hmm. not. It's natural to feel embarrassed or feel shame about it, but just know that, that everybody's been there. So Definitely. And when, when you're talking about uh, talking about, okay, I've, I've, I've got my foundation, I've got, I've got my cash flow down. My, my budget is set. Now I've got extra money that I want to be putting towards different things. I've been thinking a lot lately about how important it is to really put a narrative behind those goals as opposed to just saying, I want to be saving 10% of my income. Or, Definitely. So if, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? So the narrative really starts with that first conversation. And we start to build out what your goals look like. Um, and we realize that in the next one to five years, there are things we definitely want to accomplish, right? Some, a client might come in and say, I really want my student loans paid off in the next five years. And, and if it works for their plan, then that's a great goal. Um, so when we start having extra dollars coming in, are we starting to save for retirement today at the expense of paying off student loans? Or do we start maybe chipping away at student loans and also saving for retirement? And so as these goals start building out, right, I wanna buy a house in the suburbs in the next five to 10 years, right? I plan to have a family. I plan to retire in 40 years. So what are the, what are the goals? Let's lay them out on, on paper. What are our expectations in terms of income and resources today and going forward? And then every time there's excess, we can apply that excess to the individual goals that we've mapped out and we understand. And so if you're saying you've got, a, you know, maybe five thousand extra dollars in year one, should you put all five thousand dollars in an IRA or should you put some of it in an IRA and maybe start to service those student loans or consider you're buying a house in a year or two or consider you're starting a family and maybe allocate those dollars differently? I'm using all these maybes because every client is different, but the narrative you ask about is built out of those goals, hopes, dreams, aspirations, and making sure we're working to achieve them with any excess dollars that come through. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. The idea of giving every dollar a job or a name, I think, is a very good one. Um, <clears throat> and it, this whole, the whole idea of, of narrative that's been rumbling around or bouncing around in my head is this, you know, mm -hmm. obviously everybody's familiar with the hero's journey of Joseph Campbell. It's the, the script for most Hollywood movies, you know, the hero and then something bad happens and then they rise up and, 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 mm -hmm. and end up winning. And I think that to a degree when we start talking about investing, so I think less than half of Americans actually invest in stocks or mutual funds. So when you start thinking about, okay, I'm going to start saving money. What, what, what that really means is I'm going to become an investor. And mm -hmm. once people actually recognize and realize that this is a kind of person that I want to be and that I can be, and now I see a path to it, I think that that's really what's going to be a powerful thing for them. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
And I think that it's all, all too often we are trying to remove emotions for, from in, in, in investing, but I think that they're mm. probably a pretty important part of the actual financial planning process because you do get into that touchy-feely stuff more so than just mm-hmm. the numbers. So the touchy-feely stuff is, is sometimes and almost all the time the most important. So when we're choosing investments for a client or, or a client becomes an investor, as you put it, right, they're just now starting to realize they can put money in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever that may mean. Um, what we have to understand as advisors is what your risk tolerance might be. We have to understand how you feel about where you're saving your dollars. Um, if we go back to the goals conversation we had a moment ago, if the student debt or your mortgage or things like that are keeping you up at night so that you're not able to enjoy life, number one, so you're not able to actually focus on the goals you have in the future because you're so focused on this debt, then it might be a case where we pay that debt off sooner for that client than we may for another client. Um, And so I think it's really important to understand that every client is different. And while we have general rules and we can run the math, no matter how the math shakes out, if the client can't handle it, is it worth it? Um, And that's to say there may or may not be many solutions to almost every financial planning question that break down based on the individual client. If the if a client is particularly uh, risk averse, we might put them in a less risky portfolio. Um, and so every client has that conversation with their advisor or should be, um, and the advisor should not be giving advice just as a general rule when it comes to these kinds of items because you know money is one of the biggest issues with individuals. Um, whether it's couples and the reasons for separations or it's just generally speaking individuals and, and handling personal finance. And so if they're struggling with that in any way, applying general rules may help, um, but it won't necessarily help them understand their plan and their future. Yeah, I think that that's really well said, sort of going back to the idea of the old norms I don't think necessarily apply to, to, to today's world. And even if they did, even if they did, it doesn't mean that because you're 25 years old, you should be aggressively investing. In fact, if you mm-hmm. are and it's freaking you out and it's giving you an ulcer and you can't sleep, well, then it's the wrong way for you to be investing. That's so. exactly right. Exactly. <clears throat> um, and I, I think that I talk and think again, we're we're talking on this episode a lot about what what, what uh, George thinks about. So, <laughs> I think <laughs> that's, that's okay. It's, <laughs> that's okay. It's, I mean, look. go ahead. No, it's it's such right. a it's a it, it's an interesting thing about how uh, it's so important to be to be going back and revisiting these things. Otherwise, we fall back into our old sort of rhythms and 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 cycles. And so, having somebody like. I don't care who it is, if it's your brother or if it's a financial advisor that helps keep you on track, I think that there's immense value there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think what's interesting as we've been talking about how the world has changed is that financial planning, financial services, investment brokers were reserved for the top earners in America. And as financial planning becomes more accessible over time, Look, we're not there yet, right? We still serve the top 2% of America as financial planners. But as firms like FAM, as firms like other companies are popping up, um, financial planning is accessible to many more individuals than it used to be. As that happens, financial planners are going to have to be able to, to understand the emotions of clients in order to be able to differentiate themselves from the competition. 
And so as the environment changes, I think it's quite important that we are focusing on the emotions and focusing on the soft skills and recognizing that every client is different and that's okay. And our solutions don't have to be one size fits all for the sake of efficiency. Um, but we can be efficient with having more customizable advice as individuals are all different. Yes, I think that that's well said. Well, Ian, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My difference-making tip is just get started. Ask for advice. Listen um, to the information that's out there and make a decision that's best for you. Um, and make sure that the folks who are giving you the advice understand who you are and what is important to you. Um, but most importantly, get started and every day realize that while yesterday might not have been perfect, today's a new day and we can be better going forward. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on. Ian, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? You can go to our website at famfamcorporation.com um, and my bio is there our firm's bio is there and you can certainly send us a quick message excellent well Savage Nation if you enjoyed this as much as I did show in your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas go to famcorporation.com and check out everything that they're working on thank you again Ian thank you George have a go and everyone and until next time keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!